Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all your things we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And as ever, we'll be with you for the next hour talking all things news and views. Um, but this week, if you really haven't been lucky enough, I think, to be living in a bubble, you can't have missed all the news going on around the world from Charlottesville to Barcelona and the level of just sort of tragedy and chaos that seems to be happening. So we try and keep it lighter on the show and we're going to do that again today, but we just want to say that our thoughts are with everyone that's been affected. Um, so we're going to start with the news this week and Emma, you are kicking us off with a story that you've been learning all about, is that right? Yeah, so this week was 70 years since the partition in India. And I've got to admit, I didn't really know anything about this. Um, there's a girl who works with me, Leah, who has an organisation called The Other Box. And she'd mentioned before about her history because she had problems getting a visa to go to India last year. And she's like, oh, it's because of the partition. And I was a bit like, ignorantly, I was a bit like, oh, OK, I don't really know what that is. And that seems like a, a, a thing in history. And then this week it all was celebrated across lots of media channels, which was incredible. But it was a real eye-opener for me. Was I was like you know, we're celebrating this thing um, that that's happened that, that just was not on my radar, but yet affects, you know, the Indian community. Um, so this was... So just to say, Leah is, uh, she's British Pakistani. Yes. Yeah. So the partition was basically when the British Empire decided to step out of India and decided to split the whole country up. And they had a genius idea of going, well, let's just do it in 10 weeks. And they forced all the Muslims to go to Pakistan and then all the Hindus and Sikhs um, to go elsewhere. And it just descended into complete chaos and violence over a million people were were basically killed because they were in not in the right parts of the land people had to kind of um, trek for like three months to get to different parts of India you know India is a huge continent so but it just made me think to myself why were we not learning about this these things at school and there was an article in the independent this week about the five worst atrocities carried out by the British Empire and um, that we just we we have just such, such a distorted view of our, our English history. So I actually did History A-Level and I was thinking about this because I did History A-Level, which was all modern history, and I think we probably did a week on uh, the kind of empire stepping back from India and releasing it. And I didn't know anything really about the partition. I didn't know anything about the structure that went into it. And I consider myself like relatively up on modern history. And I realised just how much... I do not know about because it simply isn't taught in schools and unless you're reading around the subject unless you are working with people or have people in your family who know about it where do we get this history from so I I would disagree and it's a small point but there'll be people screaming at the radio India is a country not a continent yes thank you um sorry I'm uh but I I think and we've discussed this before if you've grown up 
I guess with eth- with with ethnic culture, you do know. So you know, it's something that I I don't think we were taught in school. But based, I'm Jama- I'm Jamaican by heritage, and we you know we acknowledge Independence Day. But you know that a lot of the challenges and the issues in the Caribbean, but being part of the Commonwealth, stem from colonial rule. So you also know the same about India and you know take the the way that, that Africa true? as a continent is, is divided. So I would say that you still probably know about say World War Two and the beaches on Dunkirk or mm-hmm. Queen Victoria and mm-hmm. her reign, right? Because that all gets taught in school, mm-hmm. and so it seems to me a bit sad that unless you have that in your family and your culture we're just ignoring it but so i guess what i'm saying is is that if you grow up and you are and you come from an immigrant family in whichever country you reside it's more likely that you will just know the history of other cultures especially if you share something like the commonwealth so so i'm saying we i wasn't taught I, uh, about i wasn't taught about partition in school no. but i still knew it and i'm not of indian because of your Asian different friendship heritage. Roots. Because, yeah. just because yeah exactly because i grew up around more people that were, were talking about it but okay so, that, so i didn't need the school system to teach it to me yeah. but i do think it should be taught in schools yeah. so i agree i think it should be taught in schools but that's an interesting thing which is if again a kind of urban versus country mm-hmm. kind of reality which is if you grew up like I did in a teeny tiny village where literally everybody was white, mm. you just don't have the opportunity to access it. Mm-hmm. So, and, if, and the reality is that we are all kind of ingrained into what we know. We tend not to look outside our own bubbles mm-hmm. until you are forced to step out of it. Um, and I think that then what happens is we build up these belief systems and ways of working and ways of being that we then see being... Um, kind of push back again and when we look at things like Brexit and we look at how the country voted on Brexit Mm. that to me was really a clear example of actually we're voting based on what's around us in our Mm. literal small communities Mm. and so we have a responsibility as a country that wants to educate everyone and we are I think a good country in terms of education and access to education if we want to educate everyone I think we have to be better at really talking about the things that right now we're ignoring I agree, but I also think that, again, people that come from immigrant or or migrant families, we know the culture of other ethnicities and we also know white culture. So I can tell you about Henry VIII and all of the other stuff. And I I think that's the that's the the disconnect and I think that's the interesting thing now about people saying you know I didn't know so um, you say I I didn't know about this it's that thing and it goes back to all of the conversations we had around um looking at gender and going beyond gender to broader diversity and ethnic diversity and understanding white privilege there's this and the conversation we had last week around me rolling my eyes of you know this is just something I grow up with there's an there's part of me here where people are like this is new it's like it's not it's not new we've all we've always known this and I know I'm sorry, now, I just have stuff. to challenge this really broad statement mm-hmm. of if you are from an immigrant community, you know about other immigrant communities. Because when we look at, like, if we look at the voting history on Brexit, you saw communities um, in places like Birmingham where there were large Asian communities voting against because they didn't want more blacks, they didn't mm-hmm. want people from Poland. But you that know, doesn't mean they the don't. That doesn't mean they don't know about those those, yeah. those cultures. Yeah. Okay. You well, still might know the history. It doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't it doesn't mean you being, don't like them. Yes. It doesn't mean that you're, you're still not racist. Yeah. I'm just saying you probably you will know more because you probably you probably mix and you will know, especially if you're in the Commonwealth. People from the com and I'm this, I'm making I'm saying specifically Commonwealth Commonwealth countries because you had a similar yeah. similar colonial experience. Your grandparents will have had a similar narrative if they came to the UK. So there's just a shared common understanding that you know. Yeah. And then if you go to a school within the UK, you are then taught essentially British history. Yeah. So you'll have that previous understanding plus the British history yeah. understanding. Where for me, my white upbringing, I've obviously been taught, you know, English history, but then my grandfather was in the war and I know a lot about his stories, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm getting completely one dimensional viewpoint of the world of history. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on, but it'd be really interesting for to hear from you. What did you learn at school? What do you think has been missing? What have you learned since you've left? Mm. Do you think we should be putting more about the Commonwealth than British colonialism into history? Should we know about that in our classrooms? Um, I think it's important. But you can tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Uh, let us know what you think. So this week on Twitter, actually, we had uh, an amazing woman tweet us with a really interesting story. Nat, tell us about it. So one of our, our listeners and a friend, Emma, sent us a message saying, 
badass women's hour, you need to get on this. Um, this has just happened to Lydia Jones. And when we looked at the feed, there was a back and forth, back and forth conversation between Lydia and uh, a man that she had contacted for mentorship and to find out more about business. And we were absolutely appalled at um, his response. And the day after, it then became a main, a relatively mainstream um, news story. It was featured yeah. in the Daily Mail and BuzzFeed. So we thought we'd get Lydia on the show to tell us more. Okay, so we have Lydia on the line now. Hi, Lydia. Hi. Hello. Um, thanks so much for agreeing to talk to us. Um, I just really wanted to ask you, why did you decide to go public with this conversation? Why did you decide to put it out there on Twitter? Okay, great. So I basically shared the tweet um, because of previous, well, basically every day, myself and my co-founder, Daniel, due to our age, um, we ask for help and no one like gives us help. So we try and arrange meetings and we no one turns up or we email people and they don't get back. And all we simply want is advisors and mentors for growth and funding for our startup troops. And basically, this is the first time I had used a Facebook group that was meant to be professional and approach a professional person inside of the Facebook group for help. And I was just so shocked with the outcome of the conversation. I didn't expect that to happen whatsoever. So that's what made me initially share. So he made some really inappropriate sexual advances, some really inappropriate comments on your sexuality. What Did you feel there was any other... I guess I'm asking, is there any other recourse other than going public? Because it doesn't feel like there's anything you can do about it, right? No, so um, the, the goal wasn't to go public and get picked up by a journalist. The goal mm -hmm. was just to share with my followers because mm -hmm. I only had about 500 followers, like friends and family and other small tech people. So I only initially got like five shares um, and I wasn't before. I, I've dealt with, not, not on this scale before, but I have dealt with rejection. So we, we have rejection every day of people not wanting to help us. What were some uh, of the responses that you had? Uh, so the responses, well, we haven't had anything negative. Everything's been positive. Um, it's been unbelievable. Like, if it, I think it's 15,000 people have engaged with the tweet. Wow. Um, yeah, um, between comments, retweets and likes. Um, I've had so many people reach out and want to help, myself and Daniel. Um, we've had, you know, our inboxes have been inundated. Our website, the bot on our website can't deal with the amount of traffic. Uh, Amazing. Overall, everyone's been so supportive towards talking about, you know, reaching out and saying what happened with the right decision. I think that you've got some of the responses there, yeah? Uh, yeah. Well, the, the 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 chain. So I, you know, from the the tweets that you you shared, I can see your message to this person asking for for help uh, and advice in terms of mentorship in London, um, yeah. and then uh, sort of it it goes into. Um, a conversation around your your um, uh, co-founder. Uh, you highlight in the message that you're you're gay in brackets, and he puts, "Oh, that's that's cute." Are yeah. you quite open about your sexuality? To which you say yes. Yeah. He then responds, "So men don't turn you on at all," oh, which yeah. again, given this is a business conversation, is is very um, very odd. Yeah. Uh, he then the, the conversation continues he asks how old you are you say 18 he says are you single you say no he then says you know he's he's curious oh, no, sorry this this sort of happens before and then you meant he talks about your boyfriend and says does your boyfriend not help you in terms of advice um, yeah. and just just reading through all of this it was it, just ridiculous that you went to someone for business advice and they used it as an opportunity to question firstly if if you were single or not and then your sexuality, and then ask you if you were not ever attracted to men. Absolutely disgusting. So, yeah. uh, Lydia, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And um, what's your Twitter handle if anyone else wants to come in and support you? So it's Lydia Jones underscore 18. Okay, well, Lydia, good luck with it in the future. And please do like let us know how you get on. And if anyone Great. does this again, let us know and we will take them down. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Lydia. Um, because this seems to happen a lot. Like this I love that she's called him out on it, though, because the more awareness we have around this, the more other guys are going to go and going to stop and think, because it's so common. But it's so coming common. off the back of all of the conversations about sexism within the venture capital industry, the sexual advances that women have to put up with in terms of, pitching for money and investment 
And I think one of the things that touched me the most about this is she's 18. She's a young woman coming into an industry, doing something that she loves and being entrepreneurial. And this is what she has to deal with. You know, someone with less confidence may think, actually, I I, I can't do this. If this is what I have to deal with, I cannot deal deal with this. Um, Just... I think the tech industry really needs to start looking inwards on itself and, and, and figure out how it's going to take off some of the tarnish that is currently being, uh, some you know, the bad, the bad taste that is, is being left well, I don't think this mouth. is just tech. This happens all the time. Like LinkedIn gets used all the time as well now. Like LinkedIn is basically like the new frigging Tinder. People using that to connect with people. Oh, really? Go for a coffee. <laughs> I'm not using that. it as the next Tinder, <laughs> FYI. But yeah. yeah, like I just think, you know, I don't know. I don't know what happens with these predatory men yeah like it is a bizarre thing has this ever happened to you have you ever had anyone on linkedin sending you a message it's creepy it's weird why would people do that or controversially have you met your now other half on linkedin maybe you have sweet <laughs> <laughs> um, us tell us at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour we usually do three stories but we've just been talking so much today that we're actually just going to do two because we need to make time for our guest the amazing natalie from style me sunday is going to be talking all about instagram body image and what it means to be a warrior woman here on talk radio coming up next across the uk online and on dab <laughs> badass women's hour with harriet mincer natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking welcome to the badass women's hour three women one hour all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on talk radio i'm harriet minter and i'm joined by my co-host natalie campbell and emma sexton and this week we are also joined by the fabulous very beautiful and incredibly stylish natalie lee of style me sunday hello hello Hi. <laughs> Natalie, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, so tell us, what is Style Me Sunday and how did it come to be? So um, it started off as a blog. Um, Style Me Sunday was uh, a fashion blog. That's how it started. Um, then I got into Instagram a couple of years after the blog started. That was about five years ago. And that's taken over, really. Oh, I hardly ever write on a blog anymore. I'm a pretty bad <laughs> blogger. Um, but, you know, Instagram is like a mini blog, I would mm. say. So I tend to write everything there it's, it's it's more instantaneous i think nice. um and it's easier it's a lot easier than writing a blog so you started life as a midwife That's i right, did how yes. did you kind of decide to make the shift into blogging and instagramming um well after i had my daughter alexa who's, who's in, in the sitting studio next with to us. me Hello, <laughs> <laughs> um after i had her um i found it really difficult being a midwife um my husband works quite long hours and the shift work was a struggle with a little one. Um, they weren't they weren't great. They weren't very good at you know flexibility. They um, they wouldn't. I had to still work nights and all the other shifts that everyone else does. Um, so I did. We really did struggle with childcare, especially that um, that time between five a.m. and seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. No one wants to look after a baby then. <laughs> no one. Um, so. In the end, we just decided, you know what, it's just going to be better to just, like, take a break. Um, The break was, it was supposed to be um, temporary, but um, how how many years later are we now? Um, Well, I did go back a little bit. Uh, I can't remember. (laughs) A few years now. A few years. Yeah. So um, one of the things that you've been doing on Instagram, as well as a fashion blog, I love that you have a real... Um, push around body positivity and how we see each other and how we use mm. fashion and you've just finished a campaign called Warrior Woman yeah is that right yes. tell us a little bit about how that came to be and what it was um, how did it I mean last year we had a very difficult year um, Alexa my daughter her eyesight started to deteriorate and it was really tough it was a really emotional year for everyone in the family and I just did quite a lot of soul searching and I decided that standing in front of a wall wearing, you know, different outfits every day wasn't enough for me. Mm. I needed to do something more. I needed to help other people. I needed to, um, it needed to have more meaning. Um, And the Warrior Woman project, it really evolved quite naturally. I just felt like I was going in that direction anyway. Um, And I just wanted to put a name to it and make it a little bit more organized than just some the odd pictures on instagram 
Matt? So I'm curious about the business side of blogging because I don't think people realise that you have to, you know, it's scheduled. You have to, to really plan and forward plan almost in the same way you do with publishing. So tell us about your day. What what does, you know, in terms of Instagram and every, all the content you create, how do you set yourself up? What's the sort of schedule around this? I mean, everyone's different. Yeah. I am a bad planner <laughs> I am not the most organised person so I mean I don't schedule okay. my um, posts um, I really do go with a feeling and I hardly ever know what I'm going to say until I until I actually oh, write okay. it down um, so you'll, but you'll speak to loads of different people and some people schedule things and some people don't um, obviously when I'm working with a brand I will um think about that and and have it in my head when I'm going to post and what time I'm going to post but generally it's really sort of very instant how do you manage to then run a campaign like warrior woman and then also tell your story was did you plan around that and think okay we'll we'll talk about this for a number of weeks we'll do this photo shoot with this this group of women no no don't even yeah Yeah. don't even think that i i don't think very far ahead okay (laughs) (laughs) whatever happens on the day that's how it goes exactly but are you are you led by a bit of a mission and a cause though so you know your idea with warrior woman you know and also what you're doing with your blog you're kind of on a mission to you know what's your kind of i guess your drive or your purpose with everything that you're doing i think when you um when i started doing the warrior woman project when you start to get back messages and emails and people saying to you you don't know how much you've helped me Mm. I've had an email called the story of the knees Um, (laughs) a woman told me that it was it's been 10 years since she's got her knees out because of the warrior women project and she saw all these amazing women in next to nothing she decided she was going to put on a pair of shorts and she felt amazing and it's just little things like that you know they really make you feel good mm-hmm. so um it spurs you on to keep doing it more and more um that has also led to other things so recently i went to instagram head offices and um I've also started talking a lot about diversity. So I'm, I'm really passionate about representing all types of women um, in the media. I just, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have many... Um, I didn't look in the magazines and see people who looked like me. And I definitely felt that that affected my confidence and how I viewed myself. So that's another sort of mission that's kind of intertwined, but, you know... There's definitely a role for that. There was an article this week actually about body types through the ages and and what body shapes were in fashion. And I just read that story and I was like, it's so ridiculous. But I remember being influenced by the whole Kate Moss era. You know, I have a very athletic build. I'm never going to be like super skinny. And then, you know, growing up with that and all you have is this narrative of one dimension of one type of person. You know, I just think about your daughter growing up and being able to see all these different you know, types so that we're all accepted and it's mm. not like, oh, well, if you're Kim Kardashian, you're yeah. in fashion. If you're yeah. in Kate Moss, you're, if you look like Kate Moss, you're in fashion. Like, yeah. it's absolute, it's actually weird when you think about it too much, it really isn't it? It really is. It really is. And, and that's the lovely thing. That's the thing about motherhood. It has really made me examine myself. It's, mm. a, it's made me look at my surroundings differently because I want to, I want to help change it for my daughter's um, I've got two daughters. Um, so I don't want them to grow up with the same influences that I grew up and not thinking that they had to, and or thinking that they had to look a certain way just mm. to fit in. That's not how I want it to be. So. so you talked about how last year was like a really difficult year for you as a family and how it's shifted your perspective. Um, I was reading Sheryl Sandberg's book Plan B a few weeks ago which is all about the death of her husband and she says you you have this idea of what you think life is going to look like and then something comes along and it's completely different and suddenly you realise you've got to go with a completely different aspect of what you thought life was going to be Yeah. how did you, when you kind of had this like diagnosis and you realised things were going to be different, how did you cope with that as a family and what have you learnt from it? Um, it was it was very difficult, I'm not going to lie and and it it part of it did it did feel like that there was definitely grief there was there, it did feel there was a lot of grief around the situation um but our philosophy was um even though we're feeling absolute rubbish we are going to 
try and get as much help as possible to help us through it. So we we um, sought out counsellors and we sought out, um, you know, child psychologists and we just, anything we could to help us through that situation. Um, we read books and one of the good things um, about it is it's really made us get in touch with our feelings mm. a lot more and um, we we read a really good book and um, that was recognizing your feelings and it's okay to be angry sometimes it's about yeah. how you how you deal with that um, and we've definitely grown we've grown and and evolved and changed and actually I do feel like we've, we're, we're better people for it more resilient yeah. as a result yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah Nice. Uh, Alexa, I have to ask you because you're here with us. Uh, your mum does some amazing stuff on Instagram, but what do you think of her and her work? Well, I used to say to her, Mum, like, stop it. This is really annoying. <laughs> but now I'm just, um, I really like it and it's really fun. So, Alexa, tell them. Um, what you used what you used to say to me sometimes when when at the school gates oh um well some of the other well a lot of the other mums they like wear like tops and leggings and i was <laughs> saying mum you should look like them because you're different <laughs> and then um yeah i just got into her clothes and now i love it <laughs> but you look very, very stylish yourself. Does your mum's fashion sense rub off on you? Do you look at some of the things she wears and think, I might try something like that? Yes, yeah. sort of. <laughs> she definitely likes my makeup. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I always beg her that to for me to try some of her makeup. Yeah, she does. And so she now, never lets me. now you think your mum's cool. Yeah. 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 She's super cool. Definitely. Um, so. I have to. I also have to just talk about the fact that Natalie is wearing this amazing necklace that I am in love with, which says "Fierce Queen" on it. Yes. And so you were looking at that. I was looking at the top that says "Boob Pocket." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were looking at the different angles. <laughs> Alexa's like, oh my god, I didn't check that one before. <laughs> Natalie, what are your kind of go-to's? Like very quick tips, women, because you talk about actually how clothes really change how we feel. Mm. Yeah. If you are, if you I'm having a bad day and you're not really feeling it is there some stuff that we can all pull out of our wardrobe to make us feel a little bit better I mean before we get to the wardrobe um, bright lipstick always helps me yes. if, I, if I need a little pick me up yeah. just put on some really good I've got a really bright orange really bright pinks like I'm wearing today or a nice red like you're wearing Natalie yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so um, you know start off with the big bold lips um, I mean you know, you can't go wrong with stripes. You can't go wrong with um, animal print. I think everyone should have a bit of that in their Harriet wardrobe. Harriet animal print. is a neutral. <laughs> so there's this Ganny dress. Have you seen that? Ganny and leopard no. print. All leopard print dress. And I'm oh my God, I want it so bad. <laughs> but it's a little bit out of my budget. So we'll see. Give it to her, people. Give it to her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Natalie and Alexa are going to stay in with us for our next section, which is, of course, our badass balls up. So where we use our combined over 100 years of wisdom, mistakes made, lessons maybe learned to help you with your problems. And we are going to be talking about what happens should you talk about being a single mum in a job interview? Um, how do you get on a panel? And also, how do you find a signature style? Because I really don't know. All of that and more coming up here on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster, and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter. I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week we're also joined by Natalie Lee, blogger and Instagrammer of Style Me Sunday. Natalie, thanks for staying with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so this is the section of our show, our badass balls up. So we try and help you with your problems. Each week we get a different take on things. Um, our first problem this week, I've actually got first one. So this comes from Julia in Cheltenham and she is talking about a job interview that I am actually quite annoyed about on this job interview. So she said, she says, I went to a job interview for a head of marketing role. It's board level. I thought the job was going, re- I thought the interview was going really, really well. Um, but then he, uh, the guy who was interviewing me asked me what my personal situation was. I explained that I was a single mum of a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. He seemed fine with it, but I didn't get the job. Should I have said anything or should I just have said there wasn't a lot going on? He shouldn't have uh, asked her that question, yeah, should he? Like what you're like that happens all the time. All the time. Like I wouldn't have said anything if I was her. I wouldn't have even answered the question. It's irrelevant, right? So I think the question is irrelevant and he shouldn't have asked. But in addition, I think most women when mums go into a situation and they're proud of being a mum, so you do share. Um regardless of whatever you're proud of you would share and say I I do this thing if she wasn't hired based on the fact that she has children then it's not the company for her because if she did need some kind of flexibility they probably wouldn't have allowed it Um, but I do think that I think it's a shame that we still have to consider whether or not we didn't get a role because of these mm-hmm. these these, these situ- the, because of this sort of line of questioning in this scenario and my frustration goes to the how do we change it how do we change the person on the other side of the table how do we change the, the system around it so that you don't have to second guess if you didn't get a job because you were a parent yeah. that, that should not be the case Natalie I know you do a lot with the kind of mum's blogging community and do you see this a lot? Is this the kind of story that keeps coming up? Yeah, absolutely. One of my um, good friends, Terry Healy, she's a single parent, so she she talks about this quite a lot. Um, I think I think it's really bad that he asked. Um, I don't think he probably would have asked if it was a man mm. who went for the I role. Agree. And also, when you are asked that, um, like you said, Natalie. You're proud of your children. If somebody asked you what your situation was, you're not going to lie about it because you'd actually feel really guilty Mm. about lying if you had kids or not. And I just think, God, I can't believe they're still doing that. And I I think actually they shouldn't be allowed to do it. Are they allowed to do it? Shouldn't be. But also I I think it's interesting where it's always around the the children. For somebody who is child-free, there is going to probably be a point in my life where I might have to care for somebody. And that might mean that I need more flexible working, flexible hours because, you know, somebody in my life is sick. And it's like no one ever asks you that question, which is just as important for needing flexible time as it is for being a parent. So, And hopefully as we start to see more men taking up paternity leave, it's going to be an issue on both sides. Um, so I have to say I agree with that you know he shouldn't have asked the question but actually if he did and then you didn't get the job because of your answer that is not somewhere you want to be yeah done you a favour uh, Emma, what is our second question this week? So, a really good question from Erica. So, Erica's 25. Uh, she's a social media expert and just kind of getting established in her career. And she's like, actually, I want to start, I'm going to some of these networking events, but actually, I really want to start raising my profile. I want to start being able to talk on panels and push myself out of my comfort zone. But she's a bit like, I just don't know, like, where do you where do you start with doing that so as all of us in this room have done like panels and profile building like where did where did you all start um so i think in order to be asked to talk on panels she's firstly got to have something to say Mm. so she needs to find her voice and um 
carve out her career, think about what, what people are going to ask her on a panel to talk about. And she needs to have that spoken about on her social media and make sure that that's very strong and that comes across. Um, um, other than that, I think um, just keep going, keep doing it, keep going to network events, meeting people, talking about what your mission is, and people will, you know, hear it eventually. I it's not, there's no easy, quick there isn't a in. quick win, unfortunately. But I think the other thing is just ask. Mm. I, I don't think you do yourself any harm by say, going to an event and saying, oh my gosh, what a great panel. Next time you're putting people together, could you please consider me? I'll send you some details about myself. This mm. is what I want to talk about. The worst they're going to say is, no, you're no worse off than you were before. Nat, would you ask? Uh, yeah, I agree. But it's, it, it comes back to what what is it that you've got to yeah. share that's different to everyone else? What makes you stand out? What makes you an expert? Because there's no point in sitting on a panel if you're saying the same thing as the person that's sitting next to you. I think the, the thing that frustrates me the most is if I see someone on or I hear someone on a panel and they don't have much to offer, but they're just there. It's kind of like bring something, bring entertainment, bring a different perspective brings some insight that is left field and even if it's just you that believes it it's going to add some some dynamism so do that and if you do think you've got something to offer run your own event you don't have to be a part of someone else's true think about getting people together based on the area of expertise new people new audiences it doesn't have to be joining someone else's crew yeah great point great point and then invite people to your events and then they'll invite you back that's how it works (laughs) Um, same now as when you're in kindergarten (laughs) Matt what is our final question this week so our final question comes from Mia and I think she she obviously knew that you were coming on the show from some tweets that we shared and her question was I'm 36 and I feel like I'm in a bit of a style rut I I knew what I liked when I was younger but now I'm 36 I feel like I should jazz things up and I do not know where to start Okay, um, I mean, Instagram is obviously a really good place to start. Obviously, go to Style Me Sunday. (laughs) Um, No, I get a lot of my inspiration from there. So, first of all, what I do is I look at other people who have a very similar body type to me and um, I look at what I like that they wear, what I don't like. Um, uh, Secondly, I would also be brave. Don't... um, we, we do get into a bit of a style rut and we do tend to go for really safe options but try really mixing it up and try adding some bold prints, some colour um, and don't... I, I don't know what she wears but um, I think as you get older you, you tend to wear clothes that cover you up rather than um, accentuate your assets and mm. I, I'm a big believer in um, if you've got it then flaunt it. I mean, you know, I'm not Kim Kardashian, um, but, you know, there's there's ways to do it that um, looks good. Do you think if you're not particularly happy with a part of your body or there's something you don't like, is there actually something about kind of flaunting it to a place of self-love? Because I know you sort of, when you were doing your Instagram, you took photos, you said not wearing very much. And that was about, for you, kind of getting really comfortable and happy with your body wasn't it does it help absolutely it definitely helps yeah being brave and just saying you know what I really don't care anymore I mean yeah. who who's bothered no one it re- it really did help me because I think the first time I ever posted a semi-nude picture <laughs> on Instagram I literally felt sick <laughs> and now I do it every day. <laughs> now my husband's like, can you put some clothes on, please? <laughs> it's true, though. We get like caught up and you go, oh, I don't know if I can wear that. It's a bit bright or it's a bit bold. Because we make a lot of assumptions that everybody's really concerned about what we're wearing <laughs> when actually everybody's just concerned yeah. about what they're wearing. Yeah. So, you know, most people are ignoring you. So, like, don't, yeah. don't worry about it. I think just quickly, a quick tip on searching on Instagram. How do you find people that has style that you like because I find you end up in a rabbit warren of people that I'm not well that I'm not particularly interested in but I can't find women that I find interesting like are there hashtags that I can you just um yeah there are obviously certain hashtags you can use um you know whatever whatever it is that you like um do you go on a discovery page often do you is that the page that just has all of the stuff 
like just lots of photos. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's my feeling about it. It's just lots but, of stuff. So if you go on there, then you go into the ones that you think look interesting, right. like those. Then you'll start seeing more of the stuff that you like. Ah, uh, okay. And you know, yeah, but you have to oh. actually use it properly. So that it goes, I did a journey. So I need maybe two hours of, of yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. Of okay. a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was wondering why my Instagram kept showing me Love Island celebs. <laughs> Uh, final word to Alexa, I think. Alexa, when somebody is looking for something really stylish, they really want to know what they want to wear, what is your top tip? What's the best thing you think we should all be wearing? Well, you shouldn't just, like, copy someone else. Mm-hmm. Just, like, go for what you want and just, like, I don't know. Be brave. Be brave. Be brave. Great. Yeah. I, I love mean, that. Alexa for breaks. Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah. Thank you, my darling. Uh, so we need to say a really big big thank you to the fabulous Natalie Lee and Alexa <laughs> style me Sunday you can find them on Instagram mm. it is fabulous lots and lots of inspiration there uh, we'll take a little break but we're going to come back with our backdated badass a woman from history that you really need to know about and this one is a campaigner and a half Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host, Emma Sexton Natalie Campbell. And it's the time of the show where we talk about a backdated badass, a woman from history that you really need to know about. This one was a campaigner, she was a suffragist, and she's now, well, her name is now used to really stand for campaigning for women's rights. And telling us all about her today is Lauren Allpress, community liaison at Airbnb. Hi, Lauren. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Tell us, who is the backdated badass you're talking about this week? So my backdated badass is Dame Millicent Fawcett. And she was a suffragist and a women's rights campaigner in the late 19th, early 20th century. Um, What does it mean to be a suffragist as opposed to a suffragette? Good question. So a suffragist is someone who would fight for universal suffrage. So particularly at this time, it was someone who was fighting for not only votes for women, but votes for all men, because at the time there were restrictions on which men could vote, as well as the fact that no women could vote. And a suffragette was a very specific kind of campaigner around this issue, um, led by the Pankhursts, who um, were famed for their slightly more militant techniques for specifically getting women the vote. So they would do things like blow up post boxes and smash windows and make protests against the fact that women uh, didn't have the vote. So a subtle but quite distinct uh, difference when it comes to talking about women's rights and campaigning for the vote. And how did Millicent get involved in this? What kind of drew her into it? So she actually moved in some circles that I'm incredibly jealous of, to be honest with you. (laughs) She um, had a very cool group of friends. And in fact, her sister was um, a prominent um, campaigner for equal rights. She was one of the first female doctors in the UK. And she was encouraged to get involved for the first time organizing signatures for the 1866 petition for women's suffrage um so she was an organizer for this and got hundreds of signatures but was actually still deemed at the time at the tender age of just 19 to be too young to find it herself <laughs> so wow. that was the first example of her of her kicking off into <laughs> women's rights campaigning which lasted for 62 years right up until her death and um what is she most famous for I mean, it would be hard to say that she's not most famous for ultimately being responsible for uh, universal suffrage, which took place in 1928 wow. for, yeah, everybody over the age of 18 um, being given, ultimately being given the vote. Um, but I think what's so, so amazing about her after having researched it, I mean, I have to be perfectly honest with you, I only properly found out who she was myself a few weeks ago <laughs> um, because I'm a member of the Fawcett Society, which, as you mentioned, um, is the UK's leading charity for gender equality. But she just did so many things. You know, she wasn't just involved in campaigning for universal suffrage and um, getting the vote for women. But she did this extraordinary catalogue of things um, based around that and working towards women equality. For example, she she led a revolution for women to adopt what she called a more rational dress, 
which was Amazing. quite straightforwardly, yeah, quite straightforwardly asking women to dress in a way which made things like walking and cycling more comfortable. Because <laughs> as you can imagine, Victorian dress at the time wasn't particularly um, set up to do that. She was the president of the National Union of Women's Suffrage Societies for many years. And that actually, she sought to bring together the, the more militant suffragettes and the more pragmatic suffragists that she represented. Um, and she worked in that role for many, many years, right up until um, 1918, when the first extension of women's rights was brought in in the Representation of People Act. So it's hard to say, really, one particular thing, but uh, a huge catalogue of things related to getting rights for women um, over 62 years. I think one of the things that stands out, given um, where we started at the top of the show and talking about partition, uh, is that mm-hmm. in um, when the, the during the South African War, she was nominated to be the leader of the Commission of Women who was sent to South Africa um, to investigate uh, Emily Hobhouse Emily Hobhouse's indictment of the atrocities that were happening to families in concentration camps. And it was the first time a woman had been given a role um, during wartime. And it it gives a whole picture of her, you know, not just campaigning and fighting here, but realising that the fight for women's equality and for families more broadly was an international fight. And it, it's really poignant to where we are right now. Completely. And that's a really good point. You know, uh, towards the end of her career as a campaigner, um, before her death in 1929, she um, became the vice president of the League of Nations Union, which wow. did an extraordinary catalogue of things. She campaigned to open up the legal profession and the civil service to women. She fought for women to have equal access to divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, she did all this, these incredible things, which really demonstrated how, exactly as you say, she thought about women as a whole, as a human being, all mm-hmm. the different challenges mm-hmm. that meant they were sort of oppressed, basically. And that wasn't restricted to just the vote. That wasn't restricted to just the UK, but that was, as far as she was concerned, the whole world. Yeah. But at the same time, she was also incredibly pragmatic. This is kind of what I love about her. <laughs> you know, I, I, like, I've been a, like, a, a political activist for many years, and I've always much preferred the route of, like, let's do this properly. Let's campaign. Let's go to politics. Let's go to politicians and get stuff done. And that was very much her approach. She was kind of like the persuasive, pragmatic um, approach. And that meant that actually she got access to many things that which no woman before her had done. You know, she was the first woman to address the Oxford Union in 1908. And that was five years before the Oxford Union even supported votes for women. Mm. And I think that it demonstrates her approach of being um, you know, persuasive rather than perhaps more overtly violent and um, sensationalist meant that she had access to people and to places that no other woman before her had done, which I just think... We talk about that all the time, don't we, about if you want to change things, kind of get your kind of worm your way into places and get yourself into the position of influence so you can change stuff. So uh, very interesting that was her approach rather than perhaps a, vi- a more violent campaigning, make some noise, which mm-hmm. I'm, you know. And, and next year, we should have a statue of her in Parliament Square to commemorate the 100th, 100th anniversary of the Representation of People Act. Yes, that would be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hopefully more people will know who she is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Fingers crossed. She'll be the first woman who has a statue in Parliament Square. The first woman ever, which is also incredible. Well, may it amazing. usher in many, 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 many more. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us all about Millicent Vorset. We've loved hearing about her, a true backdated badass. Great, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. So we're coming towards the end of our show. And as ever, we like to leave you with a little something to live your life by in the next seven days. A bit of wisdom from us to you. It is our badass principle of the week. Nat, what is it this week? Our badass principle this week is stand up. And it's inspired by the conversation at the start of the show with Lydia um, publicly sharing an incident uh, and um, conversation that she had, Millicent Fawcett, but also the Warrior Woman Project. And it's, you know, if you see something wrong, stand up, say something about it, shout it out. And I, I love the fact that in all of these scenarios, it's people looking beyond their most immediate Uh, this is happening to me to a broader if this is happening to me it must be affecting lots of other people and how can we talk about this and and, um, add some you know humanise things that that people think are uh, humanise give give some human and and, and personality to things that people don't talk about Okay, Emma what does it mean for you? Yeah I think it's about standing up it's about 
be, not being afraid to really be your authentic self and not being afraid to have a voice. So, mm. you know, Erica with her whole wanting to get more on the panels, like not being afraid to have a point of view on things, not being afraid to share that and put that out there. Mm. I think it's just very easy for us to think that we've just got to constantly like fit in. But it's like actually stand up, stand up for the things that you believe in, you know, stand up, make an impression. That's that's my takeaway on that one this week. I think for me, it's really poignant and relevant this week, particularly when we look at what happened in Charlottesville with Heather Heyer, and that so often we forget that people just give their whole lives, they give their literal lives in order to stand up for what they believe in. And those people are incredible and we owe them a lot. And we can all learn a little bit from them and take that out into our daily week. So if there's something that you believe in, there's something you want to talk about, something you want to say, stand up and say it let us know how it goes please do tweet us at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour come find us tell us what you're learning tell us what's really getting you that you think more people should be aware of because um really like lydia as you said that like lydia at the beginning of the show if we don't say these things mm. people don't know yeah um and of course if you want to talk to any of us individually you can come find us on twitter too uh you can find me at harriet minter nat at nat d campbell and emma at emma sexton and if you like we'll be here next week again with more news and views more opinions and some amazing guests here on the badass women's hour on talk radio badass women's hour with harriet minter natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.